Welcome to the Grow People Podcast with Pastor Jason, lead pastor of Revolution Church. I'm back. He's back. He's back. And we'll talk about Back in black. I'm on black pants. Was that Chandler that said that? (laughs) He smirked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My name is David Stein. I, I asked that in form of a question. No, my name is David. It Stein. is yes, yes. Uh, campus, That's what I hear. It is your name. Campus pastor at our Canton location, and the purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. <laughs> that was funny. Speaking of names, on the last one, which Chad and Dave and Jeremy, they mm-hmm. all did great. Mm-hmm. But you, like, you're so rehearsed in your intro. You're like, "Welcome to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason," and I was listening to it, and I thought. Pastor Jason's not on this one. Like, <laughs> well, that's the that's that's the name of the show. That's the name of the podcast. And if there are other people involved, then I would get to them. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason is the name. I thought so. I thought it was just the Grow People podcast. Okay. All right, we can change that. <laughs> I, no, it just I, was funny because it was like you're so rehearsed in a good way, like you just rattled it off. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But then I was let down that Pastor Jason that you weren't wasn't there. On there. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a fun conversation. You would have yeah. you would have enjoyed it. I would have it. enjoyed it. You yeah. would have enjoyed abide. Yeah. Um, I would have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so tell people well, abide where, nights. Yeah. yeah tell yeah. people where you were. Yeah, we've said this many times from stage. And but maybe people but people have been confused. Yeah. Um so the Weekend that you preached, mm-hmm. I was at school, mm-hmm. so I have a week long class, mm-hmm. you know, one semester in the spring semester and fall semester. But this year, or this semester, it just happened to be earlier. Mm-hmm. Normally, it'd be like March time frame. So the weekend you preached, I was at class, and the Sunday before that, we had shown video in both locations because I had to be there at eight a.m. Monday morning and fly out Sunday, you know. And so my playing the piano here. Um, so we were video before then the weekend you preached. Um, and then I was back the week that next week after for the end of a bye, but then we got sick. And Mm. so I got some viral infection. Uh, so I was in the office before the abide nights, but then had to go home because I was sick. And so I missed the Thursday gathering Friday night, Saturday Mm. night, Sunday, big weekend. But I did watch online, which was awesome. Our team did great. So, yeah, one week I was out with school, and then the other week I got a virus. Well, we're glad you're back. And you came back with a vengeance. <laughs> the message was awesome uh, over the weekend in, I hope so. in, in John chapter 18. And we'll, we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, my team, Speaking of Sunday. My team was in it. Um, they did not win. No. Which you relished in <laughs> oh, i wouldn't say i relished in it but i did give you strict instructions not to speak of the eagles during the gatherings i, yeah. I, I did not yeah <laughs> i did not uh, and that was not the reason i was not hosting on sunday I was yeah, not, exactly i was you not sidelined i was not hosting on sunday because it was welcome track session three yeah and uh, we always want to give somebody opportunities to uh speak from stage yeah. so dave arbogast our, our student minister did a great job uh, but I did have on my Eagles gear yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, that we were we were worried that you would say something. So yeah, we pulled yeah. in the mm-hmm. in the uh, bench. And um, no, what was funny though is Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Cowboys, got mm-hmm. the Walker 
uh, I mean, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which they awarded at the Super Bowl. Right. And then when they did that, all the Philly fans were booing him. As we should. <laughs> uh, and and, and a, I, I've, look, I've said this before. I, I, I grew up a closet uh, Cowboys fan because mm-hmm. uh, I liked Roger Staubach. And, yeah. and it was really tough not to like Roger Staubach. But I didn't tell anybody when I was Of there. course, not in Philly. No. no. Oh, my. No, Philly fans, it's funny. You know, it, it is really kind of weird to me that Dallas is in the NFC, NFC East, mm-hmm. which I get. It's because it, when it was created, there wasn't a lot of teams. Sure. And so, but you got New York, Philly, and Washington all right there together. Yeah. And then you got Dallas way down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not, again, just like in college, I don't cheer for people that I would normally root against. Um, Although Jalen Hurts is from Texas and his father's high school football coach in Texas. And then Patrick Mahomes is from Texas. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's from my hometown. Rival high school. Rival high school. I think, have we talked about that on here before? I don't know. I know we've talked about it, but yeah, he went to White House High School, which was my rival. I went to Chapel Hill High School and we did not like each other. And to, to this day, still don't. So it took me a while to like Patrick Mahomes. Um, but then I was like, well, since he's from my hometown, that's kind of cool. And now I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, he's just incredible. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he's a believer and has, in fact, I think even leading up to the Super Bowl or something, I, I read a, I saw an article about some things he said. It was pretty incredible mm-hmm. what he said. Yeah. And the owner of the Chiefs, um, solid believer. Yeah. And uh, his dad went to my high school. Oh, really? So all the, all the hunts. Uh, that's one, one of the claims to fame was Nelson Bunker and HL Hunt. Mm. They were the ones that cornered the silver market back mm. back in the eighties. Um, yeah, they both went to my high school. Well, wow. so and then the Chiefs were in Dallas. No, that's where they started. Oh, I didn't know. First, that. yeah, when it was the before, what was the other league at that time? Not the NFL, the but a, the AFL. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And um, so they were a Dallas. I believe it was the Dallas Texans. And then they moved to Kansas City when we when it merged and became a Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, he was instrumental, in the not the owner now, but the father in mm-hmm. creating, mm-hmm. you know, helping create yeah. a lot. And he would yeah. fly back and forth between Dallas and Kansas City all the yeah. time. Well, he he, so there was a, he created the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. And and legit story. It was because his kids were playing with a Super Ball, mm. and. He just kept looking at it and looking at it. He's like, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Mm. And that's the genesis of the Super Bowl. I did not so Lamar that. Hunt is credited with that. Yeah. Yeah. He probably did that in Dallas, Texas. Or or in Pottstown, <laughs> Pennsylvania when he was in high school. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, um, okay. So we're not going to talk about the halftime show. We're not going to talk about uh, the game. But there was a. a we can se- talk about the game if you want. We don't have to. Okay. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there. I think people have talked about it enough. It was a really great game. Yes. I mean, it was a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, texting back and forth with my brother during the game, and then the text got less and less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then we haven't talked to each other yes, all week. Yeah, in the morning. Uh, there was a series of commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you know, I'm talking about the ones with Snoop. Yeah. Uh, no, there was a series of commercials uh, called He Gets Us. Mm-hmm. And it's been this big campaign and maybe some folks don't know about it but uh hundreds of millions of dollars yeah uh, 
backed by the Hobby Lobby guys, right? Yeah, the the owner, founder, the Green family. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you know, kind of a uh, kind of a misdirection commercial. Yeah. Where you don't, hey, what's this about? What's this about? And then at the end, you see, oh, it's about Jesus. Yeah. And he gets us. Thoughts on it? Yeah. To me, you know, there's been some some different conservative commentators that have been critical of them. Now I will say early on, um, yeah, it was the, the founders of Hobby Lobby, the green family, which are very, very generous family. In fact, those, they did the museum of the Bible in Mm -hmm. DC, you know, that's who created that. And they, they really wanted to start a national conversation about Jesus. And so they came up with this campaign um, and early on, because they've been running some other commercials, early on, some of their marketing people um, put out a few commercials that were questionable theologically, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily bad, but just made you think. And they realized very quickly, oh, we need kind of a theological, you know, counsel here to help us to sure. make sure we're. And in fact, some friends of mine are on that. And so to me, I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, and people have criticized it again, some conservative people have criticized it, that it's not, you know, it's not biblical enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they've had some theological right. conversations mm-hmm. and then, you know, more progressive people have, have said, well, you could have spent that money better elsewhere, right. you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But here is my take on it. I, I think, and of course, again, the green family has been very, very generous. They have done tons and tons of stuff. Um, and literally they wanted to create a national conversation about Jesus. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And when we were watching the game, actually, we were at a friend's house and they had the game on, on different TVs and different rooms. Cause people were kind of spread out, you know, and my daughter, uh, 13 year old daughter was in the other room. And right after that commercial ran, she ran into our room, like so excited. She's like, dad, 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 did you see that commercial about Jesus? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was ecstatic Mm -hmm. about it. Right. uh, And just thought that was the super, like the coolest thing um, to see, super to see a commercial about Jesus at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like it was just the coolest thing in the world to her. And I thought, see, that's the point. Like my daughter you know, 13 just thought that was amazing to see Jesus. Well, how many other people are now having conversations about that? And the cool thing about the, he gets us campaign is they have a website and there's a lot of resources that they've devoted to help Mm -hmm. because they want to get people to the website to again, kind of spark these national uh, conversations. And then those can be directed to local churches where people can follow up with them. So to me, I think it's a really cool campaign. And I understand, again, er- early on, some people had some theological questions, but I think they they remedied that and mm-hmm. made sure that they yep. were you know, saying the right things. Um, so to me, I-, I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, and we've joked about this before, I don't really have time to be critical mm-hmm. of all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, you know, it's like Jesus said, hey, if they're not against us, they're for us. Mm-hmm. You know, don't stop them from doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and Paul even says, Hey, they can be preaching the gospel with wrong motives, you know, but the gospel's preached. Yeah. So, I thought, I thought the, the, the one commercial with, um, where we saw the angst and the anger yeah. that people have toward each other. Yeah. I thought that was really well done because it, it showed, uh, you know, anger toward, uh, uh, 
social issues, yeah, anger toward COVID issues, yeah. anger, and and how it ends with Jesus loved his enemies, yeah, yeah. And I think everybody probably looked at that and said, "Man, we we do look ugly when we are fighting with each other." Yeah, yeah. Well, ironically enough, my professor or one of my professors was on that theological council. So I actually saw both of those commercials like two or three weeks ago. Oh, cool. Um, and the first one uh, about, you know, being like a child, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, that's heartwarming. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good one. And then the second one about the, yeah, the the violence and Jesus loving my enemies, our whole class goes, oh, like when that part came <laughs> yeah. on. Because, yeah, it does kind of hit you, you know, mm-hmm. and that is a sobering thought that Jesus loves people that I might hate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so again, I thought they were really well done, uh, particularly, and that's why they did that. They wanted to be, you know, not just shocking, but they wanted to obviously get people mm-hmm. just like any marketing thing. Yeah. You want to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the, in the sea of a bunch of other, you know, commercials, some good, some not so good to have that one run and to kind of send a point about Jesus. Yeah. Again, it was punchy. Yeah. It was effective. The, the only other commercial that was super memorable for me and i don't even know what it was for it was it was it, <laughs> it wasn't was, that memorable yeah <laughs> it was the one with the dog and again it was a misdirection yeah. where you you think they're giving the dog away they, that one was good and then they they get another one they get another dog yeah. oh, when i saw the dog when i saw the crate in the back of the truck yeah i was like no no please you're not giving yeah. the dog away <laughs> uh, i'm so i'm so glad yeah. that my wife was in the other room yeah. <laughs> She yeah. she rescued two dogs on the way home from church this week. Seriously, <laughs> of course she did. She, she yeah. left. She left here. She wasn't gone five minutes, and I get a text: two wet dogs in the back of the car. Oh gosh, <laughs> right here on Union Hill <laughs> on Union Hill Road. Yeah, um, uh, that's that's who she is. Yeah, um, she is a dog whisperer. Yeah, oh, the best, the absolute best. All right, any hoodles? Let's uh, let's talk about some other things. Uh, we have a life on mission opportunity. I'll, I'm going to talk about that at the end, okay? And remind people about this life on mission opportunity, which is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, is it's one of the things I fasted from. Yeah, uh, cereal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it away. <laughs> that that was that was one of the toughest things to fast. Giving what, up cereal because they're at eight o'clock, eight thirty at night. We just look at each other and go. I'm at a bowl of cereal <laughs> and had to, had to give, just had to give that up. And yeah. you know what I replaced it with anger that I couldn't have any cereal. <laughs> See, a little misdirection. Yeah, that's there. right. That's Didn't right. know where that was going. <laughs> Worship music. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got back into John. Finally, uh, John chapter 18. And it starts out with this amazing scene uh, it's a shift in mm-hmm. in the gospel, mm-hmm. and you said it so well. We're now marching toward the cross. Yeah, I just want to say there were so many things in those fourteen verses, John uh, eighteen one through fourteen. So mm-hmm. many things in those first fourteen verses that I had never seen. I don't know how many times I've read John yeah. chapter eighteen. Yeah. Well, that's the part to me about the Bible that I love is you can read it a hundred times and sit down and read it again. And the spirit shows you something different, Mm -hmm. you know, because again, there's so many, there's so many, you know, there's the meta narrative that's going on Mm -hmm. of the whole scripture. But then within that, there's so many other layers that are going on that like we've talked about before, there's a whole Jewish history context. Mm -hmm. There's a whole um, kind of modern context, you know, of what was happening there. 
So yeah, that's what's amazing to me about about the Bible. And and as I was reading it and studying, because that is my favorite form of preaching. Like I love the Bible. And anytime we do another kind of topical series, I love I love studying a topic. But my favorite preaching is exegetical because mm-hmm. you're you're just dealing with a text and it forces you to kind of drill into mm-hmm. what's there. Yes. Versus, oh, I want to talk about this subject, so then I'm going to go find a verse on that subject, and and you already kind of know, like, you're going to talk about that subject. Mm-hmm. You're not going to dig around and look at other things that might be there, which, again, both are great ways of preaching, but we like to have a steady diet of going through the scriptures, mm-hmm. you like to say, verse by verse. Um, and I think that's the coolest thing about doing that <clears throat> is, yeah, I mean, you look at a verse where... You know, verse one of chapter 18 just says Jesus left and went across the Kidron to the Mount of Olives. Well, it's telling you what he did. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I can move on. But then when you look up, okay, what was the name of that valley? What had other names? What does that mean? Well, there's there's significance to the name of that valley. And there's significance on the direction that he went. Um, and so when those things start kind of jumping out at you, it really is incredible. Mm-hmm. Although the main point, of course, is verse 14, that one man should die for the people. Yeah. The section of him responding to the uh, religious leaders and the Roman soldiers yeah. with yeah. I am he. Yeah. And then saying, okay, that's not, there's no he yeah. in the Greek. Yeah. It's just I am. Yeah. And your description of that and the power of, just him saying, I am Yahweh. Yeah. That that was for me the knockdown. Mm, literally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Knocked you over like it did the soldiers. Yeah. In, in fact, at the Super Bowl party, I was talking to a couple guys in our church about the message, and they both said that same thing that they have read that before, but they just read it as I am he, I am mm-hmm. he. And never really thought about, well, why did those guys fall down why did they back up and you know why were they knocked over and so when i was studying that that again that was something too that kind of jumped out at me and and then i just had the thought like oh i wonder i want because that has happened other times before i'm like because again bible translators would never take away words because they don't want to subtract something but they might add something they might just like when you're translating words it might be one word in this language, but in the next language, it's two words, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why it's helpful to study the Bible in the original languages, you know, Hebrew in the old Testament, Greek in the new, so that you're getting the, the most authentic version of what he actually said. So any Bible study, any good Bible study is going to take a text and look at it in the original languages. And so I've just done it enough now to where, when I saw that phrase, I, and I thought to myself, I bet the word he's not even there. Mm. So when I started looking it up, I was like, sure enough, it's not there. Mm. And it's just the the word, you know, the Greek word for I am, and, and which is just the word to be, you know, which the covenant name of God, Yahweh, obviously is a Hebrew one, but it's the that's the equivalent Greek word to that. So... For Jesus to respond in that way, and then you start letting your mind kind of visualize that, and that's what I like to do, you know, to try to 
try to act out something so that people can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, like trying to get people to envision, okay, here's Jesus standing, here's the soldiers, here's the religious people. Like Jesus just turning around and saying, oh, I am. That wouldn't knock them down. Mm-hmm. You know, that wouldn't make them like step back. But the son of God, who is the word, who was there in the beginning, who spoke things into existence, that guy mm. saying, I am saying I'm God. Like I can only imagine, you know, again, like I said, nature responds to Jesus in his words, whether it's the wind, the waves, you know, the rocks crying out. You know, like, So I can only imagine like, Jesus says those words and sound waves recognize that, you know, or other. Th- and so that's why I was trying to like visualize. And I couldn't think of any other way other than like when you see sound waves in like an action movie or mm-hmm. kind of a superhero movie, that would make sense why it knocked them over. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I like to have fun with that. And, and what's funny is Thursday night was the, obviously the first time I preached it. I was even more animated on Thursday. I was like, <laughs> I talked to one of our camera guys after us. He was like, you were moving all over the place today um, because it was fun. And then I thought of street fighter, you know, when the yeah. guy does the, you know, how you can, the, you know, sends the, whatever the sound wave. Um, so that, yeah, this is kind of a fun um, way to envision that and think about it. Mm-hmm. And then, for them to, like I said, I mean, they're Roman soldiers. They don't get scared. They're not, they were not easily scared by a dude just saying something, you know. There were a couple of nuances um, that I picked up on. Number, number one was simply when you started out by saying, this is the march toward the cross. And I just thought, who gets to study this march to the cross, like we're going to get the study over the next couple of months. Yeah. And, and I want to encourage anyone, if you've ever had the thought, um, I'd love to be in a Bible study. You're not going to get a better Bible study than Thursdays and Sundays at mm-hmm. Revolution Church right now, because we're going to get to experience in depth what Jesus was going through yeah. and what he was thinking on his way to the crucifixion. And we're going to wind up with the crucifixion and the resurrection around Easter. Yeah, that was the part that when we originally laid this out um, on Easter, you, you know, any what a lot of churches do, which again is not bad, but they may, and we've done this, like they were teaching on some other subject mm-hmm. leading up to Easter. And then on Easter, they talk about the cross and the resurrection, which is, that's the Easter message. But when we were laying this out, I, I really thought, and, and originally I was thinking on Easter, I was going to do like half of chapter 19 and half of chapter 20. And then I realized that and we even are adjusting our gathering times because we always have so many people. I thought, well, I can't do that many verses on Easter. <laughs> I mean, that, that will take an hour and a half. So then I started thinking about, well, what if we did everything before the resurrection leading up to Easter? Mm-hmm. Uh, which means we'll actually cover the actual crucifixion two weeks, the last two weeks leading into Easter, like the last two parts of chapter 19, where they, you know, shove a spear in his side, they bury him. And so the week before Easter, we'll end it right there. 
which almost kind of creates like this really long pregnant pause mm. for us to even kind of dwell on in our church. Sure. You know, like obviously Easter happened on a Friday for the cross and then resurrection on a Sunday. Well, we'll get to feel it kind of for like seven days, you know, yeah. of like the crucifix happened and like, we're going to wait until the resurrection of, of chapter 20. And kind of to your point, it allows us to just take some more time mm -hmm. and talk about this subject uh, literally for two months, you know, leading into Easter so that we can have a better appreciation mm -hmm. of all the, like this weekend, we're going to talk about Peter denying Jesus. And I'll get into that in the message, but when he goes to Caiaphas's house, which we've been to, yep. and he's, you know, there's a courtyard there, and it, and it says Peter was hanging out in the courtyard by a fire. It's like, well, we've been there. Mm -hmm. And something that jumped out at me as I was studying last week and even this week, you know, we've been to Caiaphas's house, and they took him down, you know, where Jesus was chained. Well, Jesus, like Peter's right outside the door. And I've never thought about that when Peter denied Jesus, Jesus probably hurt him. Like not only was it bad that Peter denied Jesus, but Jesus more than likely heard Peter denying him. Mm. Well, since we've wow. been there and we've seen it physically, yep. we know that's not a great distance. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the house was all sealed up with doors and windows. They <laughs> right. didn't have that then. It's very open. So, I thought, wow, I mean, Jesus, what would it, what was it like for Jesus? Again, knowing all this was going to happen, but to experience not only him being questioned by the authorities, but also him being denied by his friends. Mm. Like he felt all that. Yeah. Well, that's not something we would probably have covered if we just did this in a week or two right. over Easter. Mm. But we get some time to 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 walk through it and feel that and then and and that's probably why it hit Peter so hard later on, because I'm sure Peter knew that Jesus heard him. You know, mm -hmm. like Peter's right there. He could have very well saw Jesus. Um, and I mean, they, you know, they could have made eye contact with each other. And Peter says that. I mean, it's one thing to deny. You know, it's one thing to kind of gossip behind somebody's back when they're nowhere around, but to do it in a way where you can see them and they know that they can see you and hear you, you know what I mean? That's a whole nother level. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about coming into it this week. So yeah, that's what I, I like about us preaching through this to your point. It really is a pretty in-depth Bible study going into these events. Mm -hmm. So let me encourage you also, uh, bring your Bibles to church. Yeah. As you gather as the church, you're, you have an opportunity to write things down that maybe God is speaking to you about yep. during the message, but also you know, write some stuff in your Bible. Circle these words. Circle I am. Yeah. Circle for the people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this in any way to say I'm anything special, but open up my Bible. The, the most marked up books are now Romans, John, and Micah. Yeah, yeah, the ones that we've preached through <laughs> the, the, so far. The ones yeah. that we've preached through because it's just a different journey Yeah, when we're preaching through it. And that's why I, I love uh, that we are doing that. It's been so helpful and mind-blowing uh, for me. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that will jump out to you. One we've already mentioned, like the I am. Another one that I really liked in this last week's message, and I don't know if you were going to move on to another subject, but the whole like put up your sword. Oh, that was great. You know, yeah. like, again, if people have been around church 
they probably know that story that Jesus, yeah. that Peter pulled out a sword, cut mm-hmm. a dude's ear off. Well, you've you've mentioned it as a throwaway so many times. Yeah, and and it wasn't until this weekend where you really got into it. Yeah, and 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 you think again, that's not the point of the message mm-hmm. or the point of that text, but you think about the implications of that. Jesus telling Peter, "Put your sword away." And then you start thinking, oh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, how quickly we can pull out the wrong sword. You know, we start fighting supernatural battles with natural methods, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah, over the last several years, how quickly Christians have pulled out their sword, which is not the word of God, but man-made physical swords and are cutting people up, you know, cutting people down. Um but yet Jesus, and it's not that he was a pacifist per se, but in that moment, in that reason, like it just struck me like there can be times where we pull out our sword and we're actively working against the plan of God. Wow. Um, and so that hit me. Mm-hmm. Like not only is it like one of your favorite verses in Ephesians, we should use our words to build each other up. Yeah. Not only is that true, but when we do the opposite of that, when we're cutting people, we might be actively going against the plan and providence of God. Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that dude. Again, and think about that from Peter's perspective. Like, not only was he corrected by Jesus, but now post-cross, you know, post-Pentecost, when Peter's thinking, because you know he did, and he's thinking back on that, he's like, how dumb was I to pull out my <laughs> yeah. sword and stop yep. that? Yeah. You know, that's the greatest thing that ever happened. Jesus died, yep. rose again. So I, I, again, there's applications that can be made from those kind of things. And, and like you said, when you bring your Bible and you're taking notes, there might be some things like that, that I didn't even say or mention that the Holy spirit may speak to mm-hmm. you. And yeah. that's why it's good to write those. Yeah. Things and, and it's great that the verses are up on the screen, but you can't circle the screen. No, no. <laughs> And, and if you did, we'd, we'd have, we have campus safety people. Exactly, that would, yeah, that would. we'd have a conversation. <laughs> uh, and, and the other thing is, you said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, probably before you left. When was the last time you were astonished yeah. by the words of God? Yeah. So we've had some encouragement in this podcast. Here's, here's a challenge. Go into these next few months, and every week, look for something that's astonishing. Yeah. That that just knocks you down. Like, like the Roman soldiers were knocked down by the power of Jesus saying, I am. And, and see over these next couple of months uh, before Easter, if there's a shift in your understanding of who our savior is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, thinking about that, the concept of Jesus saying, I am, which he is the word and the word. So in essence, the word knocked them down. Well, that was the point that the word can still knock us down. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but if, if the word isn't having that kind of powerful effect in my life, it's not because the word is not powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not listening to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not submitting to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading it, you know? And yeah, that really hit me in that and is to want the word to do that, to to want the word to bring correction and repentance in my life. Because 
you know, obviously without God, um, I can, I can build myself up too much, you know? Um, and you talked about that with humility when you spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, how it is the purpose of fasting and that is to humble us so that God can, you know, so the word of God will knock us down, you know, knock us down a size, a notch, mm-hmm. you know, because we need it because mm-hmm. we, we so quickly lift ourselves up. You know, that's the natural kind of course of action for humans. So the, the word has this powerful effect, not only physically like Jesus has did there, but spiritually and emotionally and mentally to really challenge us. And, and if it's not doing that yet, yeah, to your point, like over these next few weeks, if it's not doing that on a consistent basis, it's not because it has somehow lost its power. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just not in proximity yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and it's not something that was planned to have such a powerful word. Yeah. come out of Jesus's mouth as we're coming out of abide, but as we're coming out of abide where we did submit to God's authority yeah. and said, hey, we're taking these things out of our lives because you're more important. Then we come out with John chapter 18. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was a significant nuance that we didn't plan. Uh, no, no, I didn't. I mean, because when what we did plan was knowing that coming out of abide, we were going to be looking towards Easter. Mm-hmm. And so we intentionally didn't do John 18 last year. Right. You know, so we did plan that. But yeah, within the context of these first 14 verses, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, not until I studied it. And to your point, that's what, again, that's what amazes me is just see how God is working uh, in those things. And yeah, what a better, I can't think of a better thing to come out of abide mm-hmm. and highlight, yeah. you know, um, hey, we put away these things for abide. Well, don't pick them back up. Amen. You know, um, don't pick up those bad habits Mm -hmm. again. Let the word of God dwell in you richly as, as Paul says, you know, so yeah, I agree. It was amazing. And, and I have a question. It's a rhetorical question. What have you picked back up that you've realized was not helpful? Yeah. Or as we saw in the video and Lindsay, your wife brought this up in our all staff meeting this week, uh, when one of our team members, Brian, was sharing in the abide video that we oh, showed yeah. this past weekend, yeah. how, uh, you know, we're, we're living in this noise, you know, what did you pick back up that was noisy? Yeah. And it might not be like physically noisy, but it's noisy in your life. Yeah. And you know, that could be the, that could be the scroll. Mm-hmm. That could be the, not the, th- not the scroll of the word of God. Yeah, it's scrolling yeah. through social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Open up the scrolls. Well, I just I immediately thought when Jesus picked up the scroll. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Different kind of scroll. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, go back to Abide for just a second. Uh, abide Nights, uh, you weren't here. I know you wanted to introduce Pastor Brian. You wanted to introduce Pastor Chris. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool story. You did share this uh, from stage. But I, I want to go a little further. Can you just talk through the men that speak into your life like Pastor Brian? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, you know, we've got our pastors on staff that are our elders of our church, you know, cause pastor and elder is used synonymously in the old Testament. It, I mean, in the new Testament, it is, those are the people responsible for teaching and shepherding the church. And so that's our pastors. Then we have a board because we are a nonprofit and we have to have a board, which is made up of two of our pastors and then, and two guys within the church um, and those are obviously kind of like the legal entity of the church, which this is explained on our website. But then we have a third 
kind of unofficial position. You called it a committee at, by, at the, I, by I, accident. I, we don't. We do not say that word at Revolution. No, we Church. don't say that word. We don't like the word committee. And, and it was funny. I was in. Uh, I'm in a, a Saturday morning uh, men's thing. We yeah. do a little Bible thing. Um, <laughs> little, Bible, little, little, Bible. Little, Bible, little Bible thing on Saturday mornings, and uh, and it's in my neighborhood. Yeah, and and one of the guys said. Well, I just don't envy you. I don't know why I'm doing it in that accent. <laughs> but you got you ministers, you got to deal with all them committees. And yeah. I said, well, we don't have committees. And then that night, I said the word committee. Yeah. <laughs> it was on your brain. It yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah, we call it our pastoral advisory team. Team, yes. Yeah. So yeah. here at Revolution, we don't have committees. We have teams. Yeah. Uh, and that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Because when people think of committees, they think of, you know, all, like that guy, yeah. all these church committees that have all this kind of weird, wanky power, you know, conflicts, fighting, yes, business meetings, all splits. that kind of stuff. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite committee in the Baptist church is the committee on committees or the, <laughs> or the nominating committee, you know, and that's the committee that nominates people for the other committees, you know, so <laughs> other than the deacons, that's like the most powerful one. Um Anyway, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, we so we have what we call a pastoral advisory team. And again, it's unofficial. It's they don't have any, you know, voting rights or that kind of stuff. And it's not even on our website. But it's basically some men in my life that our board knows um that we reach out to to get wisdom from. Cause I do think it and it, they don't really kind of play that apostolic function in the in the new testament like the way paul the apostle paul and the apostle peter were over people that were over churches mm-hmm. you know well in baptist world we don't really have that position you mm-hmm. know to where in presbyterians and especially catholics you know they have local parishes with priests and then they have bishops and then kind of higher up people well in baptist world we believe in local autonomy, you know, of lo- the local church. And so every local church kind of decides their own leadership structure. But I do think it's wise to have people outside yeah. that are, and, and everybody on that team either is or has been a lead pastor before, because I think that's hugely important because yep. there've been people in my life that have never occupied this role that, you know, not that their advice was bad, but they just don't understand, Sure, you know? And so Pastor Brian is on there. Uh, Larry Osborne, who is a mentor of mine, several other pastors, um, Dave Ferguson in Chicago. Um, so just pastors around the country that are typically older than me, wiser than me. And then some of my friends as well that are kind of local. Um, and those are guys that I talk to, our board knows that I talk to. And also, if things happen, like if there's things going on in our church, we will call those people. Like there's been times where board members have called and talked to pastor Brian and say, mm-hmm. Hey, we're dealing with this thing. What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I do, sometimes board members do uh, just getting wisdom and advice. And that's biblical. It, it's all over scripture. Oh, absolutely. Re- receive wise counsel, of get course. wise counsel. Of course. So I think that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause again, leadership is hard. And those that have never been in, especially in a lead pastor role, don't understand Um, because leading a church, especially a larger church is arguably one of the toughest professions because you have to wear so many hats Mm -hmm. and you're always on. Um, 
like when I went to school, um, I, we left here from Atlanta, we connected in Vegas and I'm walking through the Vegas airport and I hear pastor Jason, you know, I mean, I walked right by the slot machines. I wasn't playing. And, um, <laughs> but it was just instantly like, you know, right before that I had kind of shut down the adrenaline, you know, and then instantly when I heard my title that fires back up again, right? you know, which again, I'm not complaining about mm-hmm. that, but my point is, I think every pastor needs a pastor, mm-hmm. every pastor. So yes. I've got a pastoral team. I've got counselors, mm-hmm. uh, people that I can talk things out with. Yep. Um, and again, some of my, my on that team, I'll call them and be like, Hey, I just need to know I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and talk yeah. through some stuff and they're That's like, right. Oh, you're not crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm dealing with this, you know? So it's really kind of like a, not a small group, but it, it is guys that I talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and again, pastor Brian's one of them. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted him to come. So our church knows who he is. I mean, early on our church knew who he was cause he was a lot more present, but as we've grown and they've grown, you know, we haven't, uh, I mean, I'm with him regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be with him this week and, and some of my other ones. So, but yeah, I wanted our church to see who that was, to know who that was, and so that they can know. I mean, okay, that's a guy that that you know, if something crazy happens with me mm-hmm. or the church, that's a guy we're going to call. Um, but B, not just because something crazy, but like we are getting wise counsel so that we don't go crazy, right? You know, we stay healthy. And now you get to be that guy for Pastor Chris from yes. Hope Church. Yeah, that was the other part of that's super cool. Yeah, Chris just planted less than two years ago. Um, and we're still, I mean, I haven't known him near as long, you know, uh, but our church is helping support his church. And um, in fact, I was just talking to Chris right before I came on here. A couple uh, months ago, we had lunch and, and, and we're hanging out. And he's like, man, you know, I just really need somebody I can call, somebody who understands, who gets it. And we were talking and, you know, having lunch. And it, it, it's like going to, to lunch with your dad, you know, um, or dinner. Like every time I go to lunch with my dad, my dad's going to pay and I know I can ask him questions, Right? you know, well, that's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I go to lunch with Chris, I'm going to buy <laughs> and we're going to talk and I'm yeah. going to invest in him. And, you know, they're looking for a building like he talked about. And so we talked about that. He asked me questions mm-hmm. about different decisions that he was wrestling with. And, you know, we're further along than him. Brian's further along than me. So yeah, it's this super cool kind of generational thing where now me and our church gets to pour into the next generation mm-hmm. of leaders. And it's really important. And and I'm I'm just saying this because, you know, I'm in session three of Welcome Track every month. Yeah. And one of the consistent questions that people have, especially if they're coming from another church, yeah, yeah, yeah. is, you know, is there is there accountability? Yeah. Who who speaks into Pastor Jason's life? Yeah, and that's very comforting for people to know uh, because they may be coming out of a situation not unlike the beginning of this church, exactly. And and they want to make sure they're not getting into uh, something similar. Yeah, and I don't mind that question at all. Yeah, like I think that's a good question. It is. If if I were going to leave this church and you know not go on staff at another church, but I'm just talking like an attendance. Mm -hmm. If I was just attending this church and going to leave or God was calling me somewhere else before I would join another church, I'd ask those questions. Hey, what's your leadership structure here? What is your core beliefs? You know, what is your mission? What do you, because yeah, it's important to know that, you know, it's like getting married. 
you know, when you get married, that's a big commitment and you better figure out, you don't just marry the person, you marry the family, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you marry the drama, you marry it all. So when you join a church, you are joining into a new family yep. and whatever function or dysfunction in that family. Um, now I'm pretty partial to our leadership structure. I think it's biblical. I think it's good. Um, but yeah, those now some people might ask it in antagonizing ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what's important, not only from a local perspective to have guys that that live with me, that see me on a consistent like you and our pastors and our board, but then having wisdom outside yeah. that aren't seeing me every day but can provide insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like those are two great kind of tools. Like you need friends, you need people close, and then you need mentors mm-hmm. you know, ahead of you. Yeah. You need people with you and ahead of you, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. So it's a great model. And uh, yeah, I think people need to understand that, that I don't lead this church myself. Um, it's not a dictatorship, but we also don't have committees. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> it's somewhere in between, which I like to call biblical. So <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for going a little further in that. Uh, we are going to run out of some time here. But I want to talk about the Life on Mission opportunity that is in front of us. Uh, we only have uh, a few more days. The Cyril. The, the Cyril. <laughs> How do you say it? Cyril? No, I, that was me imitating you. I would say cereal. Cereal. Yeah. Cereal. You don't C- You do not do that or different? No. Like I, I would furry. say cereal. Okay. Yeah, Bell's, it's, it's Bell's Furry. Yeah, so I thought it was cereal. That's what I was trying to <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I love cereal. And I love this life on mission opportunity. Ball Ground Elementary School has a food pantry. And for kids that come to school without breakfast, they provide breakfast through cereal and they're out of cereal. And we get to step into that because it's not about, as I always say, it's not about 125 Union Hill Trail. It's not about 689 North Main Street in in Jasper. It is uh, about these being base camps to send people out. And one way we get to do this is to have these opportunities so bring your cereal boxes. Yeah, you also also can do it online. Yes, like through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we put that out on social media. Yeah, it's on the app. It's on the website. Yeah, that's right. Uh, just click on Life on Mission. Yep. It'll give you all the details. Uh, big boxes of cereal, the little individual ones. It, it was funny. I got a big box delivered to me yesterday at huh. the church. Had my name on it, and I was like, oh, I didn't order anything. I opened it up, and it's hundreds of. Little, cereal. <laughs> little little boxes of cereal and i was on the phone with liana yeah and she didn't know what was in the box and she goes bring home the apple jacks yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was loaded with apple jacks that's funny and i haven't seen a box of apple jacks yeah in a while. which was a good cereal when i was a kid probably i love apple jacks probably a little a little sweet right now uh, we got into a honey bunches of oats kick mm. And, and that's what we were doing before the fast eight eight thirty at night just mm. a, a nice bowl of honey bunches of oats I only like a little bit of milk. Yeah. Um, Leanna likes a lot of milk, likes everything to get soggy in yeah. it. I, I know. I need the crunch. I, I, I don't like, I'm kind of in between those two. Okay. I don't like it drowning in milk, mm-hmm. but I I don't want to, to like get to the bottom and there's no milk left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. When I walked into the office yesterday, you know, because people bring us stuff all the time. They'll be like today, there. look, there was a box of Dunkin' Donuts for Valentine's Day. So you never know when you come into the office what's going to be there. But when I walked in yesterday, there was these boxes of cereal. And I thought, oh, people brought us some boxes of cereal. And I, if like for a split second, I got excited because there was some 
uh, Reese's Puffs, which I love. That's the one I love the most <laughs> now. And I, my first thought, which shows you how much of a sinner I am and why we need to fast. My first thought was, oh, I can eat that. And then I was like, oh no, that's for the food drive. That's for the, that's for the pantry. I can't eat that. Yeah. You know? now, now here's the thing you, you mentioned on the podcast, Reese's, uh, what are they called? Reese's puffs, Reese's puffs, Reese's puffs. Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to wind up with a hundred boxes this weekend. So yeah. somebody's going to bring you some Reese's puffs. Yeah. I talk about pickles in the message a couple of weeks ago. Not one jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, people know from your radio days that referring to your... Now, you might get a chihuahua. No, no. Yeah. I was talking about actual pickles. Oh, you were. Not yeah. your dog pickles. Yeah, be- because oh. when I was talking about Exodus and oh, how, and yeah, how they wanted they the dreaming. cucumbers, yeah, yeah, yeah. they wanted cucumbers and garlic. Yeah. And I never put those two together. You have always talked about they wanted to go back for the cucumbers. Yeah. But the other active ingredient in making a pickle is garlic. So I think And that- vinegar. And in vinegar, yeah. And I thought that was the first reference to the pickle. Hmm. Could be, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was. Well, it's funny. Maybe they put, you know, I do. It does make you wonder, like, did they put vinegar and garlic in there just to preserve the cucumber? Like it was a preservative, and it became the pickle. And then it became the pickle. Sure, so it was almost like yeah. a pickle by accident. And, and I and I said in the message, maybe this is why my people like a nice pickle, <laughs> <laughs> which which is true. You go to a Jewish yeah. deli, you're going to get a nice pickle, a good pickle. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a nice pickle. You have to say nice pickle. Oh, you can't say good. No, I mean it. It could be a good pickle, but but it, but the the compliment would be it's a nice pickle. Huh? Yeah. Is that a Yiddish thing? Is I, that I, a I don't know. Is that a northern thing? This I, is I don't, this is what, new to me. It, yeah, I, maybe maybe it's. I, I have no idea where it came from. Okay, but that's how we grew up. Like if, like if 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 somebody was wearing a nice shirt, yeah, um, you wouldn't say that's a good shirt. That's a that's a nice piece of material. You wouldn't say a nice shirt. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, now I'm wonder, I'm fine with the nice, but now I'm like a nice piece of material. So you're like that's a nice green textured thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots of stuff uh, yeah. you can get involved with here. Make sure you're going through Welcome Track. If you haven't gone through Welcome Track, first two videos are online. It'll give you a picture of who we are as a church, what's our DNA, what's our culture. Uh, the third session is in person. Yep, That's where we talk about what does it look like to be a covenant steward yep. of Revolution Church and really be a part of what God is doing here. Yep, uh, You can still serve. You can still be in a small group just by going through sessions one and two. It's all on the app. It's all on the website. Our producer of the Grow People podcast is Chandler Elder. Our head of doctrine and theology is Theologian. Our chief evangelist is Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is Lukewarm. Our translator is Lexi Kahn. Our lineage specialist is Genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. Uh, our reform theology advisor is Calvanism. Our director of holiness is Mortification. Our staff counselor is Les Moody. <laughs> our giving coordinator is Generosity. And our director of tithing is Tithing. Tim Percent. <laughs> Tim Percent. Tim, I like that one. Tim Percent. <laughs> For a transcript yeah. of today's show. Just write down everything we say. And finally, the best advice ever. Trust God, take it out. See you next time. Love you.